You're listening to So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm your co-host. I'm also CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. As you know, I usually co-host this podcast every week with my partner in crime, Alison Tate, author of The Firestar, a Maven and Reeve mystery. I am without the wonderful Alison today in this in between episode because she's off doing authory things. Um, but thank you so much for your feedback so far on these story sessions. We hope that you find them interesting. If you're new to these story sessions, it's where we read or the author reads generally the first chapter of a book that we recommend. And this is so you can sample it while you're, you know, procrastinating, listening or, or catching the bus or commuting or, or going for a walk. It's, we've brought the bookshop to you. This week, I've chosen The Great Escape from Woodland's Nursing Home by Joanna Nell. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you may have heard our interview with Joanna Nell in episode 256, If you haven't, feel free to go back and have a listen. That's when she released her first novel, The Single Ladies of Jacaranda Retirement Village, which debuted to great success. She followed this up with her equally successful second novel, The Last Voyage of Mrs. Henry Parker, which I had the honour of launching, and has certainly established her place as one of Australia's most popular fiction authors, now that she's released her third novel, The Great Escape from Woodlands Nursing Home. Of course, we particularly love Joanne because she is alumna of the Australian Writers' Centre and completed our Write Your Novel program, among other courses. So I'm doing a happy dance not only because this is a wonderful novel that I recommend, but also simply because I'm so thrilled with Jo's success. Now here is the blurb from the book so you can get an idea of what it's about. At nearly 90, retired nature writer Hattie Bloom prefers the company of birds to people. But when a fall lands her in a nursing home, she struggles to cope with the loss of independence and privacy. From the confines of her room with the view of the car park, she dreams of escape. Fellow inmate, the gregarious would-be comedian Walter Clements, also plans on returning home as soon as he is fit and able to take charge of his mobility scooter. When Hattie and Walter officially meet at the Night Owls, a clandestine club run by Sister Bronwyn and her dog Queenie, they seem at odds. But when Sister Bronwyn is dismissed over her unconventional approach to aged care, they must join forces, and very slowly an unlikely, unexpected friendship begins to grow. Full of wisdom and warmth, The Great Escape from Woodland's Nursing Home is a gorgeously poignant, hilarious story showing that it is never too late to laugh or to love. So now let's hear chapter one of The Great Escape from Woodland's Nursing Home, narrated by none other than the author herself, Joanna Nell. The Great Escape from Woodland's Nursing Home. Prologue. The anusitous breath smelled of instant coffee and skipped meals, A dormant surgical mask hung beneath his chin as, playfully, he invited her to count backwards with him. Ten, nine. They were on eight when she noticed the doctor's missing tooth. When performing the preoperative checks, he'd asked her to open her mouth and peered in as if appraising an old horse. Perhaps she should have done the same. Surely if he were any good he could afford to visit a dentist. Or was he so good 
so in demand that he couldn't spare the time. Seven. This whole thing was terribly inconvenient. The ladder had seemed sturdy enough when she tested it, shaking the uprights against the russet trunk of the old Angophora tree. It had hardly been used. She remembered her father buying it to evict a possum from the roof. She'd begged him to let it stay. She didn't mind the scratching and the scuffling at night, she told him. She found it a comfort even. But the following morning the bewildered creature was in the cage and sent off to be rehomed, or so she'd been told. That was nearly 80 years ago. Things simply weren't built to last anymore. Ladders and hips alike, both rotten and crumbling with age. Six... The bottom rung was mossy after several days of spring rain and her leather-soled Oxford slid. Standing back on the damp leaf litter at the base of the tree, she took stock. The smell of petrol wafted through the broken fence slats as, out of view, the first of the chainsaws choked and stalled. She inhaled the cool metallic fumes. She had to trust that the ladder would hold. Give it a second chance. Five. A cool breeze tickled up her forearm and her body drained away beneath her. A chainsaw whined in her ears, drowning out the gruff voices beyond the fence. Don't fall asleep, she willed herself. She had to stay awake. The birds were counting on her. Four. She pulled herself up, one rung at a time. Not much further now. But she was tiring her arms trembling, legs leaden and unyielding. It was much colder up here, darker too. Three, two. As a small child, Hattie Bloom had dreamed of flying. She'd longed for the weightlessness of feathers to fly out of her bedroom window and to see the world as the birds did, to soar. One. It's your age the surgeon had explained before he pinned the splintered shards of her femur back together. Your bones are thin and brittle, like honeycomb, hollow, like a bird's. Chapter 1. Hattie Never one to dwell on the past, Hattie Bloom hurried from hers, the last few days of it at least, and headed for the waiting taxi. She wouldn't look back determined to put the whole unfortunate episode behind her. There were only so many sing-alongs, only so many games of carpet bowls and bingo that a sane person could endure. Legs 11? <laughs> if only. She'd settle for two that actually worked. The taxi driver held the small plastic bag of Hattie's belongings and her walking stick while she wrestled her unyielding limbs onto the back seat. He was in his fifties, she guessed, or perhaps forties after a hard life, and smelled strongly of onions. With his sweat-stained shirt and open mouth breathing, he wouldn't have been her first choice, but Hattie couldn't afford to be picky when it came to getaway drivers. This was, after all, her one and only chance to escape from Woodland's nursing home. Back in the driver's seat, he addressed her via the rearview mirror. Where to, love? She gave the address. The driver started the meter. The little red numbers were already more than Hattie could afford, and they hadn't gone anywhere yet. Unsure of the correct protocol for tipping at a nursing home, 
She'd left a pile of small change, all she had, on her bedside table before she left. With her wallet and pockets emptied, she only hoped the driver would accept her cheque at the other end. When the driver asked Hattie if she would prefer the windows open or closed, and her choice of radio station, she shrugged that she didn't mind, and pleaded silently for him to hurry. Her knotty fingers worried at the handle of the walking stick balanced across her lap. She risked a backwards glance as the taxi pulled out of the covered portico into the sun, past the ornamental fountain in the shape of a leaping fish, and down the short driveway. So far, so good. At the road, the taxi came to a halt, waiting for a gap in the line of stationary traffic. From her bedroom window, Hattie had watched this daily procession of children to and from the nearby school. They walked scuffed-toed in ones and twos, or small untidy groups, staggering like turtles beneath their giant backpacks. A few rode bicycles, but far too many were chauffeured to the drop-off point outside the main entrance. She had hoped to avoid the crush of traffic at this time of the morning, but an earlier sprinkling of rain had caused chaos and narrowed her window of opportunity. Dozens of parents, fearing their delicate offspring might dissolve on the slightest contact with water, now clogged Woodlands Road with their armour-plated people movers. I'm in a terrible hurry, said Hattie, now gripping the seatbelt like a lifeline. Don't tell me you're running away. The driver grinned into the mirror as if he had all the time in the world drumming his fingers on the steering wheel in time to the music that sounded to Hattie's ear like the cries of a wounded animal. Running away, Hattie scoffed at the irony. Only yesterday had she been given official clearance to walk, let alone run. I've been walking all my life without official clearance, she tried to protest in a three-way tussle with the nurse and the physiotherapist. What she lacked in physical strength, however... Hattie more than made up for in steely determination, and she'd managed to bargain her way out of a four-wheeled walker in favour of a single walking stick. Can I have a wooden one? No, they don't make wooden sticks anymore, the physio had replied wearily. So Hattie settled for one made from stainless steel. Her fingers traced the cool, lightweight metal, and she had the sudden urge to twirl it like a drum major with a baton. It might come in handy as a weapon, too, should the need arise. You could never be too careful in the suburbs. The driver's eyebrows twitched in the mirror, waiting for an answer. Was he on to her? I've been on a short convalescence. Shorter than planned, plenty long enough. So you're not escaping, then? Oh, no, 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 nothing like that. This is a nursing home, not a prison. This was sufficient reassurance to turn the driver's frown into a crinkled grin. For a moment, Hattie worried he'd spotted the pyjamas under her coat. It was true. Woodland's nursing home was not a prison. Technically, she was free to walk out the front door at any time. If she hadn't been so doped up on morphine after the operation, she would have told the surgeon and the social worker where they could stick their respite and discharged herself there and then. But things had snowballed. The driver flicked idly between radio stations. Woodlands Road was in gridlock. 
a horn sounded, then another. Soon there was a cacophony of toots and beeps as, somewhere out of sight, patience morphed into indignation. Hattie prayed the taxi driver was more restrained with his horn. The last thing she needed was to attract attention before they were even off the property. The meter ticked over, but by now Hattie was beyond worrying about the cost of her liberty. What's the hold-up? Her mouth was so dry she could barely speak. Ah, oh, bender bender in the kiss and drop zone, said the driver with a nonchalant that su- nonchalance that suggested this wasn't an isolated incident. Hattie's palms grew sweaty on the plastic handle of her walking stick. Pulling the seatbelt loose, she turned and looked back at the concrete building behind her. She counted the windows to the right of the portico until she found her room. Old Kent Road on the whimsical, Monopoly-themed layout had been advertised as having a, a community view. In reality, this meant her room looked out onto the car park on the main road. The tiny silver lining was that she could watch the comings and goings from her window, which had at least helped to alleviate the daily boredom. Nights were another matter. In the darkness, her window became a mirror, reflecting the walls of her room that felt like a cell, and her face a nightly reminder that she was now old, and for the first time in her life totally dependent. Even with the curtains drawn, Hattie had lain awake staring at the textured ceiling tiles and the air-conditioning vents that kept the entire facility at a constant 23 degrees. There could be a second ice age outside and none of the residents of Woodlands Nursing Home would be any the wiser. Night after night, she had wrestled with sleep. Her body dodged it and sparred with it, punched it away whenever it came close. The harder she struggled towards unconsciousness, the harder it fought back. Sleep was as out of reach as the ocean bed, and like a diver without a weight belt, She simply couldn't sink deep enough to touch it. When she had finally managed to drop off, she'd been woken by the click of her bedroom door and a torch shined directly into her eyes. She'd cried out in fear. Just checking to see if you're asleep, the nurse had said. Long after the woman and her torch had retreated into the darkness, Hattie had lain wide awake, alert and vigilant to every sound and shadow. It was easy to see why authorities used sleep deprivation as a method of torture. The staff were only doing their jobs, naturally, but she'd had enough. If she ever wanted to sleep again, she needed to get home. Isn't there another route? Ominously, the taxi driver turned off the engine. Sorry, love, he said. No one's going anywhere until this gets sorted out. He pointed towards the melee where two women in matching figure-hugging sportswear and tight ponytails spoke into their mobile phones, indifferent to the chaos they'd caused. Hattie picked at her thumb. She pulled loose shard after loose shard until she had a little pile of skin in her lap. If everything had gone according to plan, she would be home by now. Once she'd made sure the Angophora tree was safe, she could relax. Only when she saw with her own eyes the owls in their hollow would the nightmare be over. She'd been away from home too long. She'd missed the familiar screech of the boisterous cockatoos and the kookaburra's cackle. 
She'd miss the gentle pock-pocking of the frogs from their damp hollow at night, and of course the o-whoop of her powerful owls. It was time to leave behind the plastic-wrapped mattress that puffed and sighed whenever she shifted position, surprisingly comfortable as it was. Beds, she was fairly sure, weren't meant to come with sound effects. She wouldn't miss the pillow. It made her feel as if she was being suffocated by a giant marshmallow. Only a short taxi ride away, her own bed was waiting to welcome her home. She'd been conceived in that bed, and then born in it. With Woodland's nursing home behind her, it was safe to assume she would one day die in it too. The idea of buying a new bed had never occurred to Hattie. Not that she could afford one. It wasn't so bad. The springs and what remained of the stuffing had settled around the contours of her body over the years. The mattress had moulded to her, and vice versa, her ageing spine was now curved and bed-shaped. It was her pillow she missed most. Hattie couldn't wait to press her nose into the faded cotton pillow slip and inhale her own sleepy breath. Was there anything that smelled more of home than a pillow? If she listened too, ear against the pillows, at the feathers of her pillow, she could hear the echo of her mother's distinctive heartbeat. The taxi was hot and stuffy in spite of the cool air blowing through the vents. All too conscious of her recent breakfast pushing up against her diaphragm, she took big gulps of air and clawed at her collar. At the point she thought the smell of onions would claim her, the traffic started to flow once more. But the wheels had barely moved when a hand slammed down hard on the taxi's roof, followed by a shout, Stop! If she were a Hollywood fugitive, this would be the cue for the screeching tyres and the big chase. She would clutch her improbably light suitcase, because suitcases always appeared empty in the movies, and make her get away, only for the authorities to capture her again later. But this wasn't the big screen, and Hattie didn't have a suitcase, let alone anything to put inside one. She had a plastic bag containing a spare pair of donated pyjamas, slippers, dressing gown, and the clothes she'd been wearing when the ambulance arrived to find her broken at the foot of the tree. Mrs. Bloom! A face appeared at the window. A hand motioned for the driver to lower the window. Where are you going? Hattie's door opened. Two smiling, uniformed women gestured for her to step out of the taxi and into a waiting wheelchair. Now come along, Mrs. Bloom, said one of the women leaning in to undo the seatbelt. Why don't you come back inside and have a nice cup of tea? But I need to get home. Hattie clung to the back of the driver's seat with strong, pale fingers, but somehow, gently and skillfully, the two women managed to extricate her from the taxi into the wheelchair. The driver was appeased with a twenty, but not before he'd mouthed a silent, sorry, to Hattie. He was still standing, watching as the wheelchair headed back up the drive past the ornamental fish. Hattie looked back and they exchanged a final wave as the morning sun bowed to the shade of the portico. She hadn't noticed the sign over the entrance when she'd arrived. Woodlands Nursing Home. Putting life in your years. As she slumped mute and resigned in the wheelchair, a high tide of pain returned to Hattie's hip. 
She'd run out of fight for now. Her body might be a prisoner, but her mind and her spirit would remain free as long as she let them. Instead of punishment or judgment, the women made breezy conversation as if nothing unusual had happened. The good news is you're in time for carpet bowls, Mrs. Bloom. It's Miss Bloom, Hattie protested. At least that was one shackle she'd managed to avoid. I hope you enjoyed that reading of The Great Escape from Woodlands Nursing Home by Joanna Nell. And here's a quick word from Jo on what she learnt at the Australian Writers' Centre. We recorded this clip when her first novel was released. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1. This course is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Here's what Joanna Nell had to say. It almost sounds a little bit melodramatic to say, but the discovering the courses at the Australian Writers really did actually change my life. Through discovering writing, uh, I have completely had a new career. I must admit that I feel a much more sort of fulfilled and, and balanced person uh, as a result of that finding a channel for that creativity. The Creative Writing Stage 1 course was exactly the approach that I needed, that sort of nuts and bolts, step-by-step -step approach. One of the things I found the most useful in the course was actually also one of the most terrifying at, at, at the start, which was giving and receiving of critique. It really is a very important way that a writer can improve. The other great aspects of being a member of the Australian Writers' Centre is that uh, that sense of community. Finding people who are like-minded, your people, your tribe. I'm the author of The Single Ladies of Jacaranda Retirement Village, which is my debut novel. And so really it was completely a dream come true. I often meet many people who say that they would like to write a book but don't know where to start or they have a story but they don't have the time to do it. And I think that this is where somewhere like the Australian Writers' Centre can really show them the way to do it, and it certainly did for me. And I think I'm you know, living proof of what they can achieve. If you'd like to find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash creativewriting. I love seeing Jo's writing career go from strength to strength. Her books are incredibly popular and her latest is such a great read. If you want to hear what happens next, well, it's out now and available at all good bookshops. Thanks for listening to our story sessions of So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find more details about the podcast and a wealth of writing resources and courses at soyouwantobeawriter.com.au. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. Connect with us on social media at writerscentreau, on Twitter and Instagram, and join our free podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. Both Alison and I will be back to our regular programming in your next episode. Thanks for listening and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more. <laughs>